0: Hey guys, welcome to Clean Beauty School, the podcast where we discuss all things beauty taken through the lens of well being. I am Mind Body Greens Beauty Director and your host, Alexandra Engler. So, today we have a special beauty catch up episode. We've actually already had one of these before, so this is our second. I invited on MindBodyGreens beauty editor, Jamie Schneider, to come on so we can just chat about what's happening in the beauty industry lately, what are the new trends that we are covering, and along with some of our favorite brands and products that we're using right now. Then at the end, we get to some beauty questions submitted by some of you. Now, if anybody has any questions out there that they would like to submit for the next time we do this, you can go ahead and DM my invited green on Instagram, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Alex underscore Blair underscore and DM me, and you might make it on to the next episode. Anyway, we have a lot to cover, so I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. Jamie, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be back from the pod. Well, I am... Um always excited to have have you on and just hear about all the cool things that are happening in the beauty industry you are my women on the ground out there (laughs) keeping us informed on all the latest trends and all the latest brand launches and keeping an eye about what's happening in the beauty industry so That'd be fun to have you back on and, you know, just chat about what's what's been going on, what trends we're seeing and uh, answer some of our reader questions. So we'll get to those later in the episode. But, you know, why don't we just start off this conversation and chat about what's happening in the beauty space right now? You know, when I think about sort of the topics that I see is just the influx of celebrity beauty brands. Everybody has one now, whether it is a skincare brand or a makeup brand, and you know, there's even some hair care brands in there. It seems like every celeb, every influencer, anyone who's anybody has one. And listen, you know, that's that's not to say that they're all gimmicky. There are some out there that are, you know, worth the money and the real deal. So, you know, let's talk about those. What are the brands that are worth their time and investment? Yeah. So, premise this
1: by saying, I think we could have a whole podcast on just celebrity brands. So, T- i truly, <laughs> may, maybe we'll have to add that to the roster. I know. <laughs> so, I'm going to highlight four. I chose four to kind of talk about here. So, first up is Road. I have to talk about Road. That's Hailey Bieber's skincare brand. I really like it. I feel like that's the one that I get the most questions about just because it made such a huge splash on the scene. I think it's really good. It's just really simple, gentle. The moisturizer is the most like polarizing, I would say, because people on Reddit, yeah, people on Reddit have been saying it as making them break out, but that's actually my favorite of the bunch. So Ah. that's why I say it's the most like polarizing because people are obsessed with it. Then you get some redditors and i wonder if that's because you're supposed to layer it with the glazing fluid and for some people that's just too way too inclusive for them so i wonder if that's the case but i love the moisturizer it's my favorite it's super creamy and then the peptide lip treatment i love i'll either wear it out like as a gloss and then i'll also
0: wear it to bed as a pure treatment i wonder why that one was so fuzzy because you know i feel like there are so many of the like young celeb set who have Come out with skincare brands, but I feel like Haley's was like everybody was so curious about it. Is is Haley just like that interesting to people? (laughs) I mean, a she has stunning skin. Like I,
1: yeah, that is true. She's she's even mentioned that she she was just born with really good skin, and she also takes really good care of her skin. So I think that's why, and like beauty editors as well know that she she's really into skincare. I feel like she's not one of the celebrities that. You know, it's just doing this as like a lucrative opportunity. Like I think she really does. She's like truly passionate, and yeah, I that mean, she's the, yeah, she's the face of
0: all the trends. So I feel like it, it totally makes sense. Okay, so um, I haven't tried it yet, but oh, you if haven't? No, I haven't tried it yet. But if it gets your stamp of approval, maybe I'll have to call it in. <laughs> yes, well, this next one you actually gave it your stamp
1: of approval, and then told me I should try it. It's the JVN hair mask. Yep. You recommended it to me. The last time I was on the podcast, and you were like, You have to try this. I love it. And it uses, we talked about the shampoo and conditioner as well. It uses like squalane and hemisqualene instead of silicone. So it kind of nails that like silky, smooth texture without silicones, which I, I just think is smart. And I know you do too. So I think that's a good one. And then rose ink, I really like. I just think it's a very like high quality, chic. Makeup brand. I especially love the cream bronzer. It's also cool toned, which I think is great because you can use it as a contour. And people who use like a warm toned contour, it can sometimes look orange. So I like that they're cool toned. And then finally, Key Soul Care, which is Alicia Key's brand. It has my favorite titan lip balm ever. It has this amazing like rich color payoff. It's so soft. I wear it every day. I have it on my desk actually. I wear the color gratitude and it's like the perfect everyday lip color I will layer it over my Kosas lip liner and then just bounce it on it, it a little goes a very long way and it's like the perfect everyday tinted lip balm
0: All okay, right. so you know there are a handful out there that have made the cut I'm interested to see how long this trend lasts because you know one, there's only so many celebrities out there. So eventually, (laughs) you know, this trend has to end because everyone's just going to have one. Number two is that, you know, I'm getting the sense that people are kind of over it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Because, you know, these they still make a splash when they launch them. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, I
1: actually have something to say about that in the next upcoming little section we have. So
0: Okay. I'll just on that conversation. Okay. okay, we'll 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 circle back. <laughs> okay, so I feel like here at My Buddy Green, we obviously care a lot about ingredient stories. That is what we talk about so much in a lot of our content, and slash like you know, I just think people are interested in cool, new, innovative ingredients in general. So I always love to get a good read on what's out there right now in terms of exciting, innovative ingredients you know what what are you seeing what has piqued your interest yeah so cool
1: it's interesting you use the word cool because i automatically thought of i've been seeing a lot of sub-zero skincare lately and this goes two ways one is i've been seeing formulas that use ingredients like atp which helps promote cellular energy and they they like extract it from yeast and um people say it can mimic the effects of cryotherapy on the skin just because it promotes that cellular energy. And so I've been seeing that, but also in terms of texture, there's this one moisturizer from a brand Skin Proud that it starts off as a gel, but then you put it in the freezer. It actually, it changes textures and it turns into this like icy, almost crystal gel. And it's, I think it's cool because experts say all the time, like, When I ask if you should put your skincare in the fridge or chill it, they're like, can, it's not going to do much. It'll feel really good, but that's about it. But this is actually meant to go in the freezer and it actually is supposed
0: to transform the whole experience. So I think that's a really fun and cool thing that I saw recently. That is cool. And I also just love that it plays into the textural experience of it all, you know, because texture is such a big part of, you know, the user experience. So that's super interesting.
1: Yeah. And then I, I just have to shout out this new Elixir Serum from Fresh. It uses adaptive phyto-compound tea technology okay. and it's extracted from Mauritius tea and that plant grows in like super harsh conditions. So when they instruct it and put it in skincare, it protects the skin from environmental aggressors and stress. But then the serum also has niacinamide and ceramides. And I've been testing it for a couple of weeks and it, has become one of my favorite serums it completely smoothed my skin texture and it's also just this like really lovely milky serum and I'm always a sucker for anything that's like has that milky texture on my skin it just feels so nice so
0: I love that so I you know tea has been such like interesting ingredient for you know quite some time in skincare but I feel like a lot of brands now have kind of moved away from the very like classic teas like the green teas etc and now we're like trying to find really interesting teas to play around with and kind of like expanding that you know area of ingredient skincare so this is super interesting and and i know fresh has like long used you know various teas and a lot of their products so that's
1: super interesting apparently it was also like 15 years in the making the serum so it's yeah Uh, crazy. (laughs) That's wild. I think it just took a long time for them to develop that like APT technology. I think that's what that's what took 15 years, which is super cool. And then this isn't an ingredient, actually, but this is something I wanted to get your thoughts on for a while. I was talking to the Codex founder. Her name's Barb. She is so smart. She has a PhD in electrical engineering. She's like super passionate about biotech, which I just think is fascinating in and of itself. But when I was talking to her, we got on the subject of sustainability. And she was saying how she wants to phase out sachets in the next year. And for people listening, like, you know, those sachets when you buy a product, say like at Sephora and they send you like free samples of other brands for you to try and they're in those like little packets, but they're pretty wasteful because they're so small, which because Mm -hmm. they can't get recycled. And then Barb was telling me that they're actually pretty pointless for testing products too, because you're not you're likely not going to see results after one use anyway. So you really just testing for texture and scent and that experience. And then it just generates a lot of waste. So she was pledging to get rid of sachets in the next year. And I, I was trying to play devil's advocate a little bit and say like, yes, but also as we just talked about like testing for texture and scent is part of the experience. And so, yeah. especially if someone wants to test that experience before dropping like hundred dollars on a serum they're going to want to test it, even if it is just once. And she she recommend actually getting a travel size bottles to test instead. if A brand does offer that just because the bottles are a little bigger and recyclable most of the time. And they usually have around two weeks of product in them. So you can see you can still see your results before actually investing.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I totally agree with you that like a lot of times people do want to test out products before buying the full-sized anything. And especially if you're using a really expensive product, like that's only reasonable. You know, you don't want to drop $100 or whatever it is to only be, you know, only feel that it's subpar quality. So I totally get that. I see your point on the travel size. I would say for skincare, that does make sense to, to use something that is travel size, but for something like a foundation or like any sort of makeup swatches, like I do still see the purpose in having those little tiny sample sizes, just because like, you know, foundation, it, you'll get what you need to know out of it with a single use, you know, doesn't match my skin tone or not with a lipstick. Like does this look good on me or not, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I, I can still see the justification in using them for, for makeup products or, you know, things in that like, but for skincare, you know, she, she's not wrong to say that you need to give a product at least, you know, a few weeks before you, you say yes or no to it. So that's really fascinating. I'm, I'm curious to see if like other retailers will follow suit just because I know like a big push of that comes from, you know, the retail community versus like the individual brands.
1: Yeah. And she's really passionate about it. I think she would be someone who if the retailer was pushing for it, she would probably be like, we're not going to be in that retailer. Well, I think that obviously differs from founder to founder. But
0: yeah, it's a tricky one. You know, it's just like it just Every single layer of the sustainability conversation within beauty, there's just like so much nuance with all of it. There's just so much gray area with all of this. So I'm always, you know, so fascinated to hear people's opinions on various instances like this, just because, you know, like I never would have thought of those little tiny packets like that would have probably not really been on my radar. So, you know, it's, I think it's like an important thing to fold into the conversation and just, you know, talk about this stuff in general. But, you know, there's just, There's so much nuance with all the sustainability packaging conversations and like nobody does it perfectly. Nobody does it right. So there's always pros and cons with everything. But so what are the Buzzy new brands that have hit the market lately? Okay. So the first one I want to
1: plug, they actually launched in 2021. So they're not brand, brand new, but I have really been loving everything Euphoria has put out. I don't know if you've tried it, but their primer is amazing. It's so yeah. silky and it it truly just melts into your skin and you can't even tell that it's on. And then they have this blush oil that it actually looks green inside the bottle. But then when you put it on your skin, it reacts to your skin's pH and turns oh, cool. pink and it's... It- not just your skin tone, it's pretty a shade of pink. And it's a pretty small bottle, but a little goes a very long way. Like, you know me, I'm a blush girl, and I was yeah. really piling it on. And I was like, oh, this is really pigmented. <laughs> so now yeah, a little goes a long way. And it's an oil. So it gives you this like really dewy, fresh look that I love. And they also have a setting spray and a lip gloss that I haven't tried yet, but I would love to get my hands on. I just think the founder,
0: Fiona, is doing a great job with everything. I really love that brand. Yeah. No, it's a cool brand. I I don't use a ton of their stuff, but I just, I think, I think they've amassed like a really good, dedicated following. And I think that that's like a good sign that, you know, they've they've tapped into something in the market. Are there any more? So
1: another one is Relevant, who was founded by Nikeo Grieco, who she founded 13 Loon in 2020, and she just launched a new brand called Relevant. It has one product. It's called the One and Done Everyday Cream, and it's meant to be a serum, moisturizer, and SPF all in one. Whoa So, and it really is so creamy. Like, it, it actually comes out very white. And so when I was testing it, I was like, is this going to leave a white cast? Because when I hear it, and it's also a mineral SPF, so I was like, this is going to leave a white cast. But it actually really, it sinks in immediately, and it almost, it really feels like a moisturizer. And... Yeah, but it is an SPF. It has SPF 40. I need to double check that, but I actually didn't know that she started a new brand. Yeah. Yeah. She, it's really good. And I'm excited to see what else she comes out with.
0: So, where have you been getting your news lately? Who
1: are you following? So, I'm such a podcast girl. I listen to them in the morning. They're a part of my morning routine. I do my skincare, make my coffee. I'll have a podcast playing, obviously, Clean Beauty School. I love Los Angeles, Fat Mascara, Skincare Anarchy, Naked Beauty, Dewey Dudes is super fun. And yeah, I think because I have just like a roster of so many, it does, I do get a lot of my news from them. And then obviously TikTok because trends just come and go at warp speed these days. And so there's always something new to report on. Although I do take TikTok with a grain of salt just because there is good information out there. and but things often go viral because it's so polarizing. So, and like people trying to rock the boat. So like I was talking to Matt Newman recently. He's Matt Loves Hair on TikTok. And he was like, people are all up in my comments, but I I can't really dive deep into the nuances of hair in in like a 30 second TikTok. And so I, I do love TikTok. It's great to get ideas and spark inspiration, but I always do reporting after the fact. Like I rarely take it for face value.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's get into this a little bit more just because I think that, you know, you are somebody whose part of your job is, just, is to be, you know, keeping up to date with TikTok and then further reporting on it. Right. So, you know, you probably have some good insights on how you can identify something that is the real deal versus like bullshit versus something that is like the idea is there, but it's not fully fleshed out. Like, How do you interact with these TikTok trends in real time? And how are you able to suss out what is worthy of reporting on versus what you're like, oh, God, I don't want to give this any more airtime? I look
1: out for buzzwords like. Like this is the worst thing you can do for your skin or this is what you always need to do and like As a general tip, like you should look out for that in headlines as well. Like we should never be using extremes like that just because everyone's skin and hair and beauty routines are so different. So if I see someone like super passionate that this is what everyone should do always, I'm like, okay, but let's let's see if there are nuances here. And then I actually think people on TikTok are really good about asking for the research behind things. Like every time I go into someone's comments, there's at least 15 comments. Of a really popular TikTok saying, where's the link to the research? Where's the study? Like people really want to go into PubMed and all of those things and to see. And then even when people do post the study, there will be a comment that's like, this was done like in in an animal model or this was done, this was a small sample size. Like people really are understanding like how, like what makes a good research study and what makes a valid one. So I think that was born out of necessity maybe because now people are just like getting more familiar with how to suss out tiktok trends so yeah
0: it's fun to see people
1: doing that and i definitely definitely. do that as
0: well yeah i noticed that that comes up a lot on mind body greens i know that mind body green always posts the the study pretty quickly after they post it just to you know so people can reference it but even then you know i see like a lot of people will maybe they don't see that comment so they'll be like where's the study where's the study?" I think it is like deeply fascinating that people are so into the science behind it all and the why behind it all that they're asking for that much detail. And like, I, you know, you mentioned that was born out of necessity and is it just because there's so much misinformation out there and there's like so much conflicting information out there that people are desperate to get to the bottom of this stuff? Like, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think people are just desperate to get to the bottom of it. And also because
1: TikTok trends, if you call it, happen so fast. It's like the next one, like they're just happening at such a warp speed that if something doesn't have the research behind it, it's just not going to last and people will be on to the next thing. So I think people are just trying to figure out what's actually worth keeping around. That makes sure. sense.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And You know, on the subject of these warp speed trends, how do you keep up with it in your personal life? And like, I don't mean this as a reporter, because, you know, as a reporter, you have to, you know, research all this stuff, write about it for the people who may be interested, debunk stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you stay up to date on all this stuff on a professional level, but then on a personal level, like how much of this stuff, like how much of it saturates into your actual life? Like, where do you draw that line?
1: Yeah, it's maybe I'm lazy, but if something takes a lot of work, I'm just not gonna do it <laughs> unless it is for recording reasons. Like when people were putting foundation in water and then applying it, I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Like <laughs> I don't get the appeal. So. Yeah, I guess if I was curious enough or bored even to just like try a bunch of TikTok trends, I mean, that would make a good story down the line, but. Yeah, I think in my personal life, it is just fun. And then if I see something that actually sticks,
0: then maybe I'll look into it more. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I found that with like my TikTok engagement, you know, like obviously it is so beneficial for so many things and it's good to find sources. I know that you and I have become friendly with a lot of people on TikTok just because we've started to use them as sources, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I think it's just like an incredible resource for that. but you know, you see all of these uh, beauty type influencers who perhaps don't necessarily have the knowledge base as other experts. And it's just, it can get like (laughs) really scary really fast. Like sometimes I see tips and I'm like, who would ever do this? You know, but I think at that point, you just have to like come down to the fact of, okay, Matt. He's a hairstylist. He knows what he's talking about. This is what he does all day, every day. You know, Javon Ford, he's a cosmetic chemist. That's literally his job to be in a lab. He knows what he's talking about. Whitney Bowe, she's a dermatologist. She has been part of our source family for a long time. You know, so it's it's really about like sussing up who you're listening to and like making sure you're identifying like experts versus people who just get on there to get on there.
1: Totally. And some people will say that they're experts when they're not, so I think it is important to, to do your due diligence and check up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. All right, so what's going to be big for fall? Like, what what are we um, going to be writing about? What are we going to be doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so what's going to be big for fall? We the beauty team has been talking a bunch about indie sleeves. So, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about, basically, the Y2K trend has been super popular for a couple years and now trend forecasters on tiktok are saying that indie sleaze is going to come next which is like a tumbler hipster aesthetic and for makeup that means smudged liner stained lips basically looking like you applied your makeup in a bathroom at a bar or restaurant and i think that is also interesting that this is coming after the clean girl makeup which is all about looking like you're not wearing any makeup at all and now this one is meant to look like you're kind of putting on makeup almost haphazardly and I honestly don't like the names of either I don't think just because you use minimal makeup doesn't make you quote-unquote clean just like smudging your eyeliner doesn't make you a sleaze or anything but it will be interesting to see how people
0: interpret the next tumblr era totally God, it is so funny to see Tumblr come back because I was like such a Tumblr girl when I was. was... Gonna ask, did you have a Tumblr back in yes, the day? I was such a... oh, which is like kind of cringy to admit, but whatever. <laughs> um, I, I feel like Tumblr to magazine or media editor pipeline is real because <laughs> Tumblr was like this perfect mix of like posting photos, but then posting like blog posts and like. It was like this like natural marriage of like written and visuals. And I feel like that speaks t- to like what I do now for my job. Yeah, like, I-, I definitely thought I was so
1: artistic and misunderstood. I had my Tumblr was only I would only post black and white film photos. And that was nice. So. <laughs> I don't want to bring that back.
0: I know. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I hear about the elements of the Y2K mm-hmm. coming back and You know, like any old person, I'm like, no, but honestly, I like, as somebody who rarely wears eyeliner, I think it's actually kind of fun to kind of get this smoke, smoky, smudged eyeliner look back in action. I think there is something just like universally sexy about it and just like universally cool girl. And I... I, Honestly, I'm kind of excited for a little bit of eyeliner again. Maybe I'll actually start wearing some. Huh.
1: (laughs) Like a wine lip. I love. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think I just feel like everyone that I have interviewed in my career who I just like think as like a quintessential cool girl. One of the things they always say is like, I love a like black coal liner. And -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, because you're cool. And that's what cool people wear. (laughs) So maybe I need to like be cool myself and get it and and bring up back the black coal liner. We'll see. Totally. What else do we got? And then, so this is coming back to what when
1: we were talking about the next like celebrity brand. I have been seeing a lot of skincare brands founded by doctors who, but they aren't necessarily dermatologists. And I read this great piece in Pop Sugar, and the headline was like. Derm owned brands are the new celeb brands. And I I would agree with that, especially because derms are getting their own followings on their own right in social media. But I would take it a bit further and say, doctor led brands in general. I I recently interviewed this ophthalmologist who she started her brand in 2021, but she has a skincare brand for people with dry eyes. And then I'm meeting next week actually with an allergist and immunologist founded brand for those with very reactive skin. So, Mm -hmm. and obviously, derms are still the leading skin experts. But I think it does make sense that as, do- as these doctors see patients with issues from either what they're putting on their skin or they're seeing their health-related issues show up in their skin, it does make sense that they would want to make products to help address those areas. And yeah, I
0: think we're going to see a lot more of that. That's really cool and really interesting insights about other, you know, specialists getting into skincare. And, you know, what we say here all the time is that like your skin is a reflection of your health overall. So I I certainly think there is absolutely room for other types of medical experts to play in this field. Dermatologists are always like our North Star. That doesn't mean that they have to be the only people that we rely on for this sort of information, for sure. That's really exciting. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I remember you saying to me a while ago, actually, that how when we talk about like endocrine disruptors in in personal care items like we always we talk to the derms because that they are as you said like our north stars but like we should also be talking to endocrinologists and like it makes sense because your like your skin is a reflection of your overall health so I
0: think people are really starting to make that connection as well totally you know Just I think in medical fields in general, you know, whatever you choose to specialize in, it's no matter what area it is, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of stuff for you to know. Like it's not. It's not reasonable to expect that dermatologists would know everything about your endocrine system, right? Like that's not their specialty. Why would they know everything about it? So like when you ask them about hormone disrupting ingredients, like it's only natural that maybe they don't know everything about like that's not necessarily their job so you know i think uh, this is all to say that i just think there's so much room in the skincare and beauty space for lots of different types of experts for us to utilize so that's yeah i think that's a really cool trend and i'm excited to see what comes out from it and like excited to see you know who who enters the fold in the beauty space you know there's room for all of us here (laughs) okay so let's let's talk about what we've been using lately it's obviously a huge part of our jobs to be trying things and testing things and you know i as somebody who does have sensitive skin um i am mindful about what i put on it and you know i there are certain things that i just choose not to test because i know that i'm not the intended audience for it you know i don't have acne anymore so i'm not going to be testing acne products etc etc but you know we we do stay up to date on the majority of the trends i'd like to think so let's get into what what we're using and what we're into lately i'll I'll let you okay so i kind of referenced this a little bit but i was
1: never a primer person until now on it was honestly out of pure laziness because i just didn't want to add another layer before makeup but now I will wear a primer, honestly, every day and on their own. Like I don't, sometimes I don't even put makeup over it just because I think the launches these days are just so high quality. They have a ton of skincare ingredients in them. And then they also, they can cover up discoloration and smooth skin texture and not look cakey at all. So on days when I just don't want to wear any makeup, but maybe have a little redness or texture to cover up, I will put one on. I love Euphoria's as I mentioned, it, it really just sinks into your skin. It, it looks like a second skin and has such a natural finish. And then if I want a more dewy finish, I have been loving the one from Pierre Weiss. It has, like, it has a little bit of an illuminating finish to it. And then something else that's new in my routine, I was never a morning mask person. I usually save them till the evening. Again, probably out of pure laziness because in the morning I'm usually in a rush and just want to slap on my skincare and chug my coffee and head out the door and at the night during the nighttime is when I usually have more time but I have been carving out some time to do a mask in the morning carve out some 15 minutes I've been loving Suzanne Kaufman's liquid boosting mask it really it, it's just so nice it, it's a great morning mask to do it leaves you so bright and glowy and then I also love aptos turmeric mask. It also is very brightening, so it's great for the morning. And yeah, I'll listen to my podcast, drink my coffee, have a mask on, and it really it sets me
0: up for a good morning. I do that probably once a week. I love the idea of a morning mask. I personally don't do, do <laughs> it because I am not a morning person, but maybe I'll try one of these days. Probably but, not, but you never know. You never know. So, I would say I am really loving all of the great vitamin C products that have been coming out lately. You know, vitamin C is kind of this classic tried and true ingredient. You know, it has obviously been used in a lot of skincare for a while. Like it is certainly not new by any by any means. But what I am seeing that I find exciting is just the various types of you know actual types of vitamin c that are on the market and then also just like the various types of concentrations and delivery formats and why i think this is exciting and cool is because you know i think with vitamin c the collective understanding of how best to use it has come a long way i think for a long while vitamin C was only like, you know, brands would put just a little bit of vitamin C in a product and they, that way they could market it, that it had vitamin C in it. And, you know, they could check that marketing box off. And then, you know, I think people, you know, started, there was some backlash to that because people started being like, Hey, like we want vitamin C that is at proper concentrations. exact. so then you started seeing this wave of products, where, you know, it would be vitamin C serums and they would say it uses L-ascorbic acid at 20% or whatever it is. And they got very specific about the concentration and the type that they used. And that is, was a great development in the space, just because I, I think people were hungry for that information. However, I think people got too caught up in the fact that they thought that it had to be L-ascorbic acid and they thought that it had to be at the 10 to 20% range. And I think it's important to kind of to address that point because while L-ascorbic acid is certainly a great form of vitamin C, it is the most potent. It does have loads of research to back it up. It's not the only one and it's also notoriously unstable and it's also quite potent and not everyone can tolerate it. I think that's something that people often forget is that the more unstable and highly reactive an ingredient, the more likelihood of reactions can occur. And so, you know, people with very, very sensitive skin, they found that l acid at 20% to be just too strong. And, you know, I think that after a phase of you know wanting the most potent and highly concentrated vitamin C's on the market, I think we're now starting to see a more nuanced understanding of the ingredients. So you know, you are seeing people that are using forms of vitamin C that are perhaps not as intense as that. You'll get oil soluble vitamin C's. You'll get vitamin C complexes that use you know various fruit derived vitamin c's that are a little bit more gentle there are countless vitamin c's that you know that are being used that we could go through but the, the main point is that these other forms of vitamin c are a little bit easier on the skin if you have sensitive skin and they're more stable and they are you know able to be formulated in a wide wide variety of, tree, of delivery delivery formats and i just think it's a it's a great update because it makes this ingredient just so much more widely accessible for people and you know it also means that this can come at a wider variety of price points currently i'm using some from dr dennis gross's vitamin c line you know it includes a serum it includes an eye cream it includes a moisturizer i'm currently using the moisturizer Ole hendrickson they just uh, they launched their banana bright vitamin c eye cream and you know vitamin c is incredible for the eye area but you know you want to make sure that you're using a vitamin c that's gentle enough for the eye area and that's a perfect example because you know they use a a, a nice affected yet gentle vitamin c complex ilia beauty they infuse vitamin c into this like triple serum spf 40 and it comes in different shades you know so it's more of like this like tinted serum primer hybrid situation you know and it's at SPF 40. So you get the the sun production there. You also get the free radical production from vitamin C. And then you get a little bit of tint there to, you know, help cover up some of that white cast and, you know, lay a nice foundation for either concealer or, you know, whatever's to follow. You know, Shiseido, they have this vitamin C brightening sleeping mask, which is, you know, great for the evening time when your skin is rebuilding that collagen layer you know so you're just supplying it with some vitamin c to help that collagen synthesis process yeah i'm just like i I just really like the wide variety of vitamin c products that are out right now i love vitamin c as an ingredient and i just think it's i think it's cool when you have a lot of different options i love the banana bright eye cream it's so good so
1: love, it also has the I love when an eye cream does this. It has the mineral pigments in it. So it also when you use it during the day, it covers up your dark circles.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's such a good one. And you know, I think all Hendrickson, like it's a good quality brand that, you know, puts a lot of thought into what they put on the market. Their most famous products are usually for like acne and oil control, which i don't necessarily i'm not necessarily dealing with at this point in time but you know I, I certainly love all their vitamin c stuff i think i think they make really good stuff all right well let's see if we can answer some questions i know we got a few questions in from our readers and our mind buddy green community and so we thought we would carve out some time to answer these and you know if you are listening and you have any questions of your own, you can certainly, you know, write into us. You can DM me or Jamie on Instagram. And, you know, we can always check those out there or DM my buddy green on Instagram. Our, our social gal regularly checks that. So she can always pass along any beauty questions there. But we, we have a few here that we are gonna, gonna help you guys solve. So one person wrote in, how do you keep your makeup lasting all day and not clumping up or getting oily? So yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think all of us have issues with keeping makeup looking fresh and good all day, no matter your skin type. You know, some people have issues with oil control. Some people have issues with dryness. Some people have issues with it. You know, settling into to find lines so you know I think this is a question we can all relate to on some level but you know when you're talking about specifically clumping up or getting oily you know I I, I once got this tip from cosmetic from the cosmetic chemist John, Javon Ford he's been on this podcast before and he's, he's so great so smart all around TikTok but you know he talks about different textures and using different textures depending on your different needs for concealers in particular so You know, if you have texture, actual like skin texture issues, like whether that's acne scars, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you'll probably want something that's a little bit thicker and a little bit more dense and has some of that malleability there. So, you know, you can apply it over those acne scars and, and, you know, it helps smooth things out. Whereas if you are targeting the eye area and you don't want it to clump up, You know, you'll want something that is a little bit more silkier, a little bit smoother, something that is going to just like rest over the skin and not settle into those fine lines, etc. So, you know, I think one area where people can, you know, address clumping is to just make sure that you are using various concealer textures based on your need. I would say for oil control, you know, I know that you have a tip coming up, which I think is a great tip, but I would say one thing that you can do is to use an oil control ingredient in your moisturizer. Niacinamide is certainly going to be your best bet in this regards. There's A handful of oil control ingredients out there and you know you can certainly do your own research on a few of those and we can definitely post them in the show notes but as far as one that is very trendy and very popular and easy to find it does help with sebum control there has been some research to indicate that at two percent so when it's formulated in a product at two percent you know that's where it's going to be most effective at giving you some sebum control throughout the day. But one thing to note about this is when you go down this route for oil control, you know the, these aren't going to work overnight. I think people see oil control and they they want it to you know they apply it on their skin and then all of a sudden they they have no shine the rest of the day and that's that's not necessarily how these work because they're not absorbing the oil throughout the day. What they're doing is they're actually working with your skin. So your skin naturally just produces less sebum throughout the day. And so, you know, you need to give them some time to work. So, you know, that's that's one note that I would say if you're going down this route. But, you know, Jamie, do you have any tips? I know you do.
1: Yes, uh, I've talked about it multiple times, but I would invest in a primer. I think it's helpful, especially if you are oil prone to have a layer to have something for the foundation or whatever makeup you use to stick to that isn't your skin's own oils so that when, you're, when your skin does end up getting oily throughout the day, the, the primer still grips to the makeup. I find that super helpful. And then when you if you're applying concealer to precise areas, like I do this all the time when I'm applying over any blemishes, I will let it sit on my skin for probably a few minutes, almost five. I'll do the rest of my makeup routine and then I will then blend in the concealer. I just think it, it helps settle into your skin. It oxidizes a little bit. It gets a little bit thicker so that you're able to cover up more with less, which I think is huge for applying makeup on oily skin in general. And then you should definitely invest in a good setting powder It will work wonders. I love Air Set. I will use that over any blemishes I have. It really just, it soaks up all the excess oil that I might have there. And it also has a little bit of its own shine to it, but it offers like more of a glimmer than an oil, I would say. It's super nice. But yeah, oil happens. You might have to touch
0: up throughout the day, but yeah, these tips should help. All right. So the next question we have is light therapy. What is up with that? I thought light was bad for my skin. So this is a great question. I definitely think there is some confusion about light therapy and skincare. It's totally understandable. I think for a long time, we have been told to protect your skin from the light. Or, you know, I think we are often told that you should protect your skin from the blue light coming from our screens, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the flip side, we're told, oh, these LED light therapies are incredible for your skin. So this can seem like mixed messaging. So LED lights, they are targeted wavelengths selected because they had some sort of health enhancing benefits the light that you're getting from the sun, that is broad spectrum UV light. So that is a wide range of lights. Some of those wavelengths are going to hurt your skin. You know, that's where you're going to get burning. That's where you're going to get photo damage, et cetera, et cetera. But if you isolate certain wavelengths out of light, then you can actually reap the benefits of light. And so that's exactly what these LED lights are doing. They don't contain the harmful UV light rays that are going to cause burning and damage. And just to say, we don't fully understand exactly how LED lights work. There is still a lot to learn about this. So, you know, every, all of the benefits that we've Have found from LED technology, there is that caveat that we're not entirely sure the mechanisms behind it. But you know, scientists are are currently still researching this, et cetera, et cetera, and the body of research is growing. So we are starting to get a better idea of what exactly is happening. But you know, to get into a little bit of the specifics behind the research and what we know is, there are a handful of various light wavelengths that are visible light. So, you know, colors, etc., that we can see, like I said, that do have health benefits. So blue light, this can, can refer to a, a pretty wide variety of wavelengths from violet to indigo to royal blue to blue green. But they have found that the most beneficial wavelength for blue light is around 415 nanometers so at this wavelength it's going to be able to target the epidermis there is some research to suggest that it is going to be able to help with acne but it also just like helps with barrier support is its primary benefit there and then the other wavelength that you hear most often perhaps most often is the red light so this actually goes further into the skin. It's able to surpass the epidermis and actually get into a few of the deeper layers there. It's typically thought of the anti-aging light because it can encourage cellular rejuvenation, it reduces inflammation, you know, it can help support collagen production, etc., etc. They are finding that the best wavelengths for that are in the 620 to 750 nanometers there are a few other colors out there you know you might see it green or yellow these don't have as much research to back them so you know those definitely come with a little bit of an asterisk that we're not as confident as of of those colors. This isn't to say that they're bad for the skin. They just don't have the same amount of body of research. So if all of that sounded confusing, and it is, I am a beauty editor and I find it deeply confusing. I think the best course of action with LED lights is to default to a professional. You know, a lot of professionals use them for in-office treatments, whether it's a derm or an esthetician, they get professionally professional grade quality LED lights, which are extremely expensive. And they are expensive because they are super high tech and they are very specific about the wavelengths that they admit. So, you know, you do have more trust in the system that you are actually getting in the wavelengths that are, benef- that are going to have these sorts of benefits. The ones that you get at home, There are quality ones, certainly, but there's a much wider variety of quality. And so, you know, if you get something that's like cheap off Amazon that doesn't, you know, come from reputable brand, you run the risk of using an LED light that actually doesn't have any specific targeted LED like wavelength. One expert basically gave me a good quote at one point in time. She said that if you buy something of low quality for an LED face mask, like, you're basically just getting Christmas lights, which I think is a very funny way of thinking of this. Another reason why you should always default to professionals is they will be able to provide you with eye protection. You should always use eye protection for these masks and, you know, various LED facial treatments. They'll also be able to understand if you're using any photosensitizing medications. By and large, LED light therapy is considered to be safe. Even the NIH has deemed it safe. However. There are sometimes asterisks in there that say, you know, you really shouldn't be using these if you have, if you're taking any medication that does increase your photosensitivity in a dramatic way. So, you know, your medical professional or skincare expert will be able to help you understand that a little bit more. And then the last point on that is skin of color. There are, there has been some research that indicates depending on your skin tone, that different wavelengths may have different benefits and there may be different risks involved depending on your skin tone. And so you know, you definitely want to make sure that you're finding a skincare professional who understands how to treat your specific skin tone. If you are using LED lights, you know, this is it's obviously a lot to understand and there's a lot of nuance and science behind it. So like I don't expect any consumer to be able to understand all of this to that great degree. I don't, so how could I expect anybody else to? So that's why I always say, you know, it's you really just like for things like this, like find a skincare professional that you trust, that knows how to work with your skin type, knows how to work with your skin tone, knows your medical history, knows your specific needs. And they're going to be able to help you understand if LED is right for you. So it's it's a good question and it's a complicated question and it's a question that we don't fully understand quite yet based on the research. But, you know, that's that's what we know at this moment.
1: Uh, side note, I, my eyes are so sensitive that I was I was getting a facial actually once and she put on the goggles and then it was too bright for me and then she put on like one of those heavy eye masks that are like weighted and it was still, I had to tell her to turn it off. Like I don't, yeah. I think my eyes are just too sensitive for it.
0: Totally. And it's going to be like stuff like that, like. That is why you should default to professionals because, you know, if you're doing it at home and it starts to hurt, like, obviously, you should immediately stop using it. But having that professional there who's able to, like, hear your needs and understand your needs, like, that's really important. So. Anyway, LED lights, they're confusing and it's really complicated technology. It's complicated technology that even experts don't fully understand. So I can understand why there's confusion and I can understand why the consumer is so confused about all these various tools out there. All right. So the last question also has to do with facials. But what are some things that you should do before and after a facial to reap the benefits? Jamie, what do you got for me? So...
1: I also think this is a great question because facials are an investment of time and money, and I think they're 100% worth it, assuming you take the steps needed to make sure that you get the results you want. So as a general best practice, experts will recommend you stop using any harsh actives two to three days before and after the facial. So any exfoliants, retinols, just stick to really gentle nourishing products I, the day of, I will even switch out my cleanser and just stick to a really gentle, hydrating, milky cleanser just to make sure that there's no way I'm stripping my skin at all. And then after the facial, sun care is super important. Obviously, it's important no matter what day it is, but especially if you have just gotten a peel or extractions, microneedling, et cetera. Really important to protect your skin from the sun after it's after it's very fresh and vulnerable from that deep clean. And then finally, this might go without saying, but do what your esthetician tells you to do. For example, if they say you should think about adding a vitamin C serum to your routine, you might want to think about doing so. Just because results do come from at-home maintenance, estheticians are very talented, but they're not—they're not miracle workers. Like you have to put in the work yourself at home as well to really have the results that you want. And everyone's skin is different, and an esthetician really does take the time to learn yours. So above all else, it is worth listening to their advice and taking whatever wisdom you can you can get from them into your own routine at home. But those would be my three tips.
0: Love it. Well, that was a lot of info to cover, but I'm glad we did it. And I, I thank you for keeping us all up to date on the various happenings in the beauty industry. I know you always keep me up to date. So. I thought you could help us keep the listeners up to date as well. But anyway, thank you for stopping by. I can't wait to have you by again in the, in the near future.
1: Thank you for having me. this was super fun and can't wait to be back to talk about
0: everything beauty industry. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want more beauty content, you can find it at mindbodygreen.com or any of our social channels. And finally, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.